The Start On Demand. On demand. In Winnipeg, the wind chill at the Forks has to be minus 45 or worse for school buses to stop running. Is that too harsh? School buses ran today in Winnipeg, and a whole bunch of them had problems. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier joins us once more with some powerful and emotional stories from Melfort, Saskatchewan, as the sentencing hearing into the Humboldt tragedy continues. An American women's hockey player outplays the guys, and a social media campaign has paid off to get her paid. And I did something I've never done before in my life. And it was scary, intimidating, nerve-wracking. I got my eyebrows sculpted. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, January 30th podcast for The Start. Is it time to, do we rethink how or when we should close schools? Kelly Moore is here. Sharon, you want to stay, do you want to join this sure, conversation? Happy to. Okay, Jeff Forte is here. I'm not a parent, so I have no skin in this game, but uh, McNabb, why don't we start with you? You live, you have children and you live in rural Manitoba. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it kind of depends on the day, to be honest. Like, it's so cold out there that I'm happy to know they're not going to school. Uh, and we have a plan in place on this day that the neighbor's super helpful. And that makes that easier for us to say, OK, well, fine. No school. They're going to walk over to the neighbors. She's going to watch them till I'm done. Last year, I was in a different boat. Every time the schools were closed, I still had to get them to daycare, which wasn't in the same community. And so I still was bundling them up and putting them in the car. And so in your head, you're like, okay, well, it's not safe for the buses to run. But here I am, minus 50 with the wind, gunning it down the road with my kids bundled up because I wasn't feeling comfortable to call in sick to work. So it's a hard it's a hard one to balance as a parent and it's also, you know, it, some days it's a nice one to know you can call your boss and say, "I'm sorry, the buses aren't running. I'm out." But you don't always have that ability to do that or you need to get to work some days or feel like you need to. Well, and sometimes that's the ammunition you need because we've heard Pembina Trails, uh, Ted Franson say, you know, remember like if you feel uncomfortable sending your kids on the bus or sending them to school period, you do have the option to keep them home, but if you're working, pretty difficult to phone yeah. the boss and say, I've decided to keep my kids home, much different than I have to stay home because my kids don't have school today. We saw yesterday Hanover School Division, St. River School Division, same geography more or less. They're, they border on one another, if I'm not mistaken. Two different policies in effect. You had one open, one closed. Do we need more uniformity here, Kelly? Well, I, I don't know. I I would like to think that there has been a lot of discussion and uh, you know the, the, the people that do this on a daily basis have tried to check off as many boxes as they possibly can, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, a family type of scenario here. My daughter, uh, her her two daughters, go to the daycare at the school in the Hanover Division. So that's going to be closed today. She still has to get to work. Now, what is mm-hmm. she going to do? You know, so. Either, you know, you have to have the, the plan in place. And I know both nights she was on the phone with her friend saying, hey, if this happens, are you available, you know, for, for me to drop off the girls? And I even my wife runs a daycare. And part of that is taking kids to school. Uh, so now she's got to make the decision, okay, because, the, you know, the buses are running. Uh, does she still take them to school? Because she doesn't want them standing out and waiting for the bus. Have so, you ever sent your kids to school, Sharon, uh, even when the buses weren't r- running or alternatively kept absolutely. them home when, you know? Yes. Well, and it's certainly it's a scramble for parents who have to come up with a plan when things don't happen as they normally do. However, as most parents do, there's usually a backup plan. And that is the recommendation when you have kids always have something in your back pocket as far as what are you going to do if something happens? I have yesterday had a discussion with my kids. If the buses aren't running, they don't want to go to school, but they did. And uh, and I do put them to school if the buses are running, if I can. Um, However, it's certainly they show up and half the students are not there. So I think it really is uh, six of one, half a dozen of the other. There's a surprisingly number of parents who don't work and or don't have the necessity to have to go in if the kids are home. And so they will choose to stay home. Uh, Our school division, there are some rural kids who come in and they will likely just stay home because they don't want to be on the roads. And safety is definitely a concern. But uh, I don't think 
it's ever going to be one system that's going to work yeah. cut and dry for every every family, every school division, every situation. But I think we have this discussion when it pertains to snowfall amounts and closing yes. schools. Are we just too tough here? Do we need a different threshold, a more uniform policy, not only just for school, but maybe for but going it, it, to work as yeah. well for non-essential services? Uh, or am I too soft by or do we just... We have to get there. We must. Well, we must soldier on. Yeah, I, I think in the extreme cold, it's a different kettle of fish than it is when you have a blizzard and the roads are pretty much impassable. Uh, and then when people's uh, well-being uh, is in jeopardy, then I think you have to say, okay, you know, we're staying home. Mm-hmm. And boss, I'm sorry, I can't get there. You know, <laughs> for one day or whatever, we'll just have to to get by without you. Uh, but you know, the cold is a different thing. The cold, I think, is one of those things where it's as Sharon just mentioned, it's an individual decision because it can't be cut and dried when everybody is different and has a different uh, set of circumstances to deal with. But I do think about, and this is this has changed since I've moved to this morning shift, so I leave home at, say, 3.20 in the morning, and I keep my sorrels on, and my toque on, and my big mitts on, and my double layers on, for the worst case scenario of yes. me getting in the ditch where I'm unconscious, and at least I won't freeze to death immediately. Like, that, the fact that those things <laughs> mm-hmm. are going through yeah. my mind, and no. I can't be alone. I'm, well, not, just, and, and, I'm not just packing all the war clothes. I'm wearing them because I'm thinking, okay, it's minus 50 when I drove up 75 this morning, or minus 50 with the wind. If something happens, and say I pass out, and I can't, like, I'm dead within... 20 minutes or or at least sorry I'm severely ill yeah, within 20 minutes sure. if someone doesn't find me so it is you do stop and think about wow that is crazy cold do I should I be out here right now yeah you know in the other scenario for the first time ever uh, my car actually didn't start yesterday uh, when I when I left after work. Now, I'd sat there for 12 hours, so I should have gone out and started it halfway through well, the day. Well, you shouldn't have been here for 12 but, right, hours. But luckily, but no, no, but anyway, you know, there are other people that are, are going to be in a situation where their cars aren't going to start tomorrow, so then that's, that's a whole right. new sure. kettle of fish to for have sure. to deal with. Hey, can yeah. we have some fun in the last uh, minute or so here? Tim Please. wants to know, <laughs> because we are the Slurpee capital of the world, <laughs> and people do drink Slurpees every day of the year, can you still get brain freeze? when it's minus 41. You Tim don't wants need the to Slurpee know. for that. You just have to walk outside and have a wink at you in the face. It's totally brain freeze. I gotta say, you better drink it quick and get a brain freeze otherwise it'll be a frozen one anyway. I admire anyone. Somebody uh, tweeted yesterday that they saw, they were at the Forks. Actually, it was the Red River Mutual Trail that person who runs that handle and says, just watch someone step outside of the Forks with an ice cream cone in hand. And I thought, ah, oh, good old Winnipeg. Yeah. You know? I prefer Slurpees in the winter. Really? Well, yeah. they don't melt as fast. They, oh, they, it's they more get, strategy. Yeah, they get goopy in the summer a lot quicker so I kind of enjoy them my dad used to laugh at me because I'd walk to the comic factory in Transcona on Day Street on a Friday evening and it's snowing outside and it's windy and on my way back I've got a Slurpee in my hand <laughs> so today would you get one like oh, yeah. yeah for sure I challenge you I need a selfie of you with a Slurpee later oh, well challenge accepted question of the day at cjob.com by the way brought to you by Mr. Furnace don't call them first you'll see why Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Question is, in Winnipeg, the wind chill at the Forks has to be minus 45 or worse for school buses to stop running. Is that too harsh? Yes or no? Log on to cjob.com. So far, the yes has it with 100%, but that could change. You can log on and cast your vote at cjob.com. Kelly Moore, thank you. Global's Sharon Pfeiffer, thank you very much. We told you earlier, about a half hour ago, that there was a whole bunch of problems with buses in the city of Winnipeg, and we are joined now uh, by Radine Carter. Yeah, wait, Radine. Good morning, Radine. She's with the Winnipeg School Division. Uh, we know it's a cold day out there. Uh, we've got at least, if I'm looking at your list, uh, close to a dozen buses that are seeing up to an hour delays. Is this all weather-related? It is weather-related. We had n- nine buses that just wouldn't start this morning, so those routes we have to wait for other buses to finish their routes so that they can take up the the um, schedules of those nine that didn't start and then we also had um, about 10 buses that just were delayed because of the traffic uh, the icy roads the uh, the fog and some some of our buses actually were freezing up en route uh, and that's what happens when you have diesel in place you know, a lot of people are going to hear this, Radine. I know there's policies in place for when school buses should be running, and in Winnipeg, it's a minus 45 
windshield at the forks as of 6 a.m. And so that okay. wasn't the case this morning. Uh, is there is it time to review that policy, perhaps, given what we've been seeing this morning and those delays directly attributed to cold? Well, you know, I, I don't decide on policy, but I can say that uh, it's way more inconvenient for parents of the students that are on buses to have the buses canceled than it is for us to try and uh, do our best to get get them going. So that's why we chose, or that's why the Metro superintendents chose the Forks as the best uh, location to check for the weather at that time. We had, Re- uh, oh, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say, we, I, one of our listeners texted yesterday saying, not all kids live in areas in the Winnipeg that are enclosed like the Forks. Some kids live on the, the outskirts or in, in areas that are more open that would be more susceptible to the cold like the airport. I mean, looking at just, for example, the Forks right now, the temperature is minus 34, the airport is minus 38. So the, why not use the airport uh, as opposed to the Forks? You know, we did used to use the um, airport as our uh, basis for the temperature for the buses, but the metro superintendents, they looked at it and, you know, the whatever we could do to make sure that we could get the buses going, you know, you have to have a policy, right? You have to have a cutoff point. And if we could have the most frequent opportunity to make sure the buses are running, that is what is most convenient for our parents and the kids to get to school. And today, this is a really unusual occurrence. You know, it's not um, it's it's not something that happens on a regular basis. I think we all know that. Raydeen, uh, when we spoke to Ted Franzen yesterday and got some clarifications on the policy, I broached the idea of, of why you would cancel a bus and why the cold becomes an issue. He mentioned the fact that if the bus stalls, you've got only so much time before that really becomes a giant walk-in cooler or worse. But on the flip side, when we're talking about what's going on this morning, I never took a school bus, so I don't know what the what instructions I might have had. How long are kids expected to be waiting for a bus that, in some cases, this morning didn't come? What what backup plans would you expect kids to have? Because a lot of parents take their kids to where the school bus picks them up while they're on their way to work. They're not turning around and going back home. Right on a day like today, um, parents are going to be much more responsible about just dropping their kids off in minus 45 degree temperatures. You have to rely on people's common sense, right? But the um, the traffic department, or sorry, the transportation department, they immediately start calling parents on the affected routes and try and get a hold of them as many as they can. Uh, I should say that our transportation department's getting a lot of not very nice calls and really they're just doing their best it's it's not their fault that the buses aren't starting or that they're trying to call a few hundred people to let them know about the delays so i just would really urge people to you know be kind everybody's dealing with this and um, getting nasty to people who are in an office trying to reroute buses that's not helpful Um, but as far as that goes we try to let people know as quickly as possible. We had a little bit of a delay getting the information out this morning, which is, which is just really not acceptable. And I personally apologize for that. But uh, but we did get it out. And uh, we also have the transportation department calling as many parents as they can get a hold of to let them know about the delays. What's the advice for this afternoon, Radine, knowing it's staying cool, cold for a little while yet? Should people just be pulling the plug and, and taking their kids right out of the school? I mean, are those buses, you can't guarantee, I, I know those buses are going to even be running well this afternoon. Okay, so first of all, only 2,500 of our 33,000 students even take the bus. So it's not like all of our bus, all of our students are being bused. Um, for the students this afternoon, we do have about 90 buses, so only 10, 10 of them are not running, and they're working on getting them running as we speak. So hopefully they'll be running this afternoon, and if not, they'll be doing their best to reschedule or add students to other buses to make sure that we can get those 2,500 students home safely. Um, we're also really monitoring closely, uh, Mr. Franson would have mentioned this as well, that how this is going to impact for tomorrow morning if if we have the same degree of um, problems with starting buses, we might have to take a real close look and and see what what changes can be made. All right, Radine Carter joining us, yeah. Winnipeg School Division. Thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you.
And the question of the day at CJOB.com, brought to you by Mr. Furness. That was my fault. I tried to put her on hold, but clearly I didn't. We just heard her hang up. Clumsy. Phone, no, the phone's frozen, man. Well, she's got a busy day. That's a lot on everyone's plate, so... Brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. In Winnipeg, the wind chill at the Forks has to be minus 45 or worse for school buses to stop running. Is that too harsh? And the results, as of this very moment at cjob.com, 54% say no and 46% say yes. I put that same poll on Twitter. So far, the yes has it at 58%, and at uh, Facebook, you can weigh in on the poll there as well. Um, she put an interesting number there, hey? Like, what would she say? Twenty five hundred, Only 2,500 or 33,000 students take the bus within Winnipeg, but I wonder how many parents just use buses as their benchmark for whether their kids should be going to school or not. Like, yeah. you know, like, are they listening to, okay, buses are canceled, never mind, none of us are going to school this morning, and that's why so many people seem to be feeling like they're affected by these decisions because that is a relatively small percentage of it is of, but of the overall number of just students. one kid just one kid For waiting sure. outside when they shouldn't be causes a problem we remember the story from three or four winters ago of that of that uh, mother who came up under some criticism for, I think her daughter was nine years old and she was trying to teach her daughter some independence and uh, thought that she could leave her daughter waiting for the bus, a bus that did not come. The daughter was locked out of the house. I mean, it just takes one story like this Mm -hmm. to turn into a disaster. So I I think that we've been doing our best to work with the school divisions in terms of getting their policy out, what's going on. But I think there are a lot more questions that need to be asked now today when if there's 90 buses on the road, I think that's what Radine said, and 10 of them break down, that's a considerable number. That's over that's over 10% of your of your fleet has broken down because of the cold. They need may need to re-examine uh, the threshold for for running buses in the first place. Adventurous temperatures around the land. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Never mind the ice fog that we're seeing outside our studios here and lots of reports. Uh, That the warmest temperature in Winnipeg right now is at the Forks, minus 34.4. This is according to Environment Canada. It's the hotspot. It is the hotspot in Manitoba. You'll hear us reference the temperature outside our station here at 680 CJOB. We have our own weather station so we can tell you what it is here. You will see on a lot of your weather apps the the conditions and the temperature at the airport. There's also a weather station at the Forks and all around Manitoba. Minus 36 in Carmen, minus 37 in Melita, minus 38 in Victoria Beach. And the cold spot in Manitoba right now is in Clear Lake at Wasagaming. It's minus 44.3. These are air temperatures, by the way. There's no wind chill factor involved at all. Good Lord. That's brutal. So, hey, thanks for that snapshot. And what did you say it was in Brandon earlier up to now? Like minus, the wind chill was minus 55, Minus I think? 55 at the Brandon oh. Airport, which again, it's on the north end of town. So it's right in the kind of open prairie for Brandon. So it's going Middle to be more exposed. But yeah, like they've got bragging rates right now for some serious uh, face freeze. So we uh, we spend a lot of time talking about mental illness. Yesterday, we had a discussion on mental wellness with Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman about the winter blues. But you've found something, Greg, that's quite exciting. Yeah, I think one of the groups that often gets lost in the shuffle in the discussion are kids when it comes to mental wellness. The largest hospital in the province is making a move to help change that. Here's the... Uh, headline yesterday from HSC. Imagine not having a place where you can exercise, enjoy the outdoors, and smell the fresh air when you are a young person with a mental health diagnosis. Today, the Children's Hospital Foundation of Manitoba announced a campaign to raise money to develop or redevelop indoor and outdoor recreational space for the children and adolescent mental health program at HSC here in Winnipeg. The new space will create healthy and safe indoor and outdoor play areas in hopes that patients will see a reduction in depression, anxiety, and stress and learn important healthy coping tools for the future. The project is estimated to cost $300,000, will include a sports area, pergola for yoga, fencing, and security upgrades. 
We are joined by Denise Blanco, who is Clinical Service Leader of Occupational Therapy in the Mental Health Program. She joins us live on 680 CJOB. Denise, thank you very much uh, for taking the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So why is this such an important initiative? Denise, I think it outlines it here in the release, but give us an idea of of what this program looks like uh, without these spaces. Yeah, well, I think right now we do have... um, some spaces available, but they're pretty much just empty. And so they're really underutilized. Um, But we know that if we set things up uh, for uh, kids to be able to participate in physical activity, that they will. So we came up with a plan to set the spaces up that'll be... um, give them really good opportunities to play and be active. Uh, So what we did is we did some surveying with the kids and we did some surveying with the staff that work there and met with playground consultants. And through that, we came up with a really good plan of what do kids want to do and how can we make that happen? Tell us a little bit about the program, the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Program at HSC. Is this kids that might be staying and receiving care or is it a drop-in service and therefore would be able to use the space throughout their treatment program? What, what, yeah, you know, give, so, give us a typical scenario. Yeah, for sure. So, um, uh, Typically, we see kids uh, between ages 10 and 17 and between five and 600 youth a year. Um, it's a short-stay uh, assessment and brief treatment unit. So we see the most acute um, mental health concerns um, from throughout the province. And so it's kids that are coming in usually from about seven to 10 days and um, they're experiencing like acute psychosis or they might have um, acute thoughts of suicide or suicide attempts. They might have really severe anxiety, um, bipolar disorder, things like that. I know that the hospital is a tough place to be when you're a kid overall. And I I spent a a month there when I was a youngster and looked forward to going down to the playroom every single day. I can only imagine in these circumstances uh, what a great relief and and an opportunity to just be a normal kid this would be if this comes to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. This is a really big deal. Um, so the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Unit is actually located in the in the psych health part of the HSC, and so it's it's far away from those children's areas. Um, and while we do have access to a gym in our building, it's it's off of the Child and Adolescent Unit. So sometimes we have kids that require such close 24-hour supervision and evaluation that they can't leave the unit to go to those spaces, and so they can feel pretty cooped up. So the opportunity for them to go and burn off some of their emotions um, by doing some physical activity, not to mention just getting the chance to try physical activity out and see how much it could potentially help them in their future should they continue to be physically active after they leave the hospital. We just kind of touched on some of the stuff that it's going to have, like a sports area and some yoga. Uh, what, what, are, what other kind of things will be in these recreational facilities? Yeah, so um, we have, so there's like an indoor and an outdoor space. And so the indoor space, I think, is going to be set up more as sort of a workout area because that's what the kids said they wanted. There's also going to be some open gym mat space where they can do yoga and that sort of thing. Outside, we're hoping to um, put in a basketball pad um, with some hoops and concrete, uh, you know, to be able to play on. Uh, We want to set up, um, we're going to pour some of that uh, like it's that soft rubber surfacing that you see in playgrounds so that you can do yoga outside in sort of a relaxing area with the pergola. Um, kids also asked uh, for some workout equipment outside, and so some of it is going to be um, individual workout equipment, but some of it is going to be um, sort of multi-user equipment. So I don't know if you've ever seen in some outdoor um, community uh community like playground areas there's there's this outdoor workout equipment that multiple people can use and they lift their own body weight and just can sort of be physical active physically active no matter who they are or what they're up to in life Denise Blanco is the clinical service leader in occupational therapy at the mental health program at HSC. And uh, if you'd like to see the current space and what the vision is, and if you'd like to help make this a reality with a donation, goodbear.ca. And I know you got a sizable donation from a corporate citizen at $20,000 to get this kick started, but but we need uh, the public to get behind this. Denise, thank you very much for this insight, and uh, we appreciate the work that you do. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Denise Blanco, Clinical Service Leader, Occupational Therapy, Mental Health Program at HSC. Thank you so much for joining us.
so yesterday I had a bit of an adventure. Greg uh, and Lorraine, a couple of weeks back, we had Browse by G on our show. That's Winnipeg right. company that's going to be appearing on Dragon's Den on February 7th. And so we're excited to find out how they did. Of course, they couldn't tell us how they did. But uh, I said, I just kind of proclaimed on the air, I should get come see you and get my eyebrows done. Because Have you ever thought of that about that up until oh, then? Oh, yeah, I've been told. Well, I mean, my... I've what do you mean you've been told? Like, someone's like, dude, yeah, yeah. it's a lot of hair up there. Yeah, well, I, I know I have furry eyebrows. I made the joke earlier. They look like forest tent caterpillars <laughs> in my face. They are bushy. They are bushy. But I'm a huge wimp because I know that doing stuff like this likely involves waxing. My girlfriend tried plucking the eyebrows for oh, me that's, about a month I'd argue ago. that's almost, it's just an individual second-by-second second pain as opposed to like a nice rip with the yeah. wax. So uh, she, the plucking, I, I, I was able to tolerate it, but it wasn't my favorite thing. And after about 20 minutes, she said, I thought we were done. And then she said, okay, now I got to do underneath. I said, nope, that's it. We're out. So, <laughs> But I, I was still open to going to see Brows by G. So I went there yesterday, lovely shop at 160 Provence Boulevard, super nice, but very intimidating for a guy to walk into basically a beauty shop, which I've never gone into for any of that stuff. You know, the, I go to a barber to get my hair cut. <laughs> Same it. barber for 20 years. 30. I'm going, 30. To, I'm going to Tony's Barbershop on Regent <laughs> since I was 11 years old. And uh, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I would argue more men would need the brow service than women like not that because because women are i don't know if you're grow, growing up with it so you take care of it yourself but there's way more men get more fur up there yeah oh because it's not been a part of the grooming right. routine right? right i already i what time is it i better not say that out loud <laughs> you're checking to see if your wife's gonna, up or no something? no i was gonna out uh, it, a friend yeah i i already trim the boy's eyebrows really because it's important good for it's you it's important to to look well, proper and, and, and distinguished. Yeah, like I tried. I trim the unibrow at the very least. I try to keep on top of that situation. But I figured, hey, you're, she said, come on down. So I did. I want to try to open myself up to some new experiences. Did a face mask the other day. Brushed my teeth with charcoal dust the other day. It's supposed to help whiten them, but I just looked like Marilyn Manson because my lips and tongue were black. But anyway, she there was waxing involved. And I was terrified it was going to be a 40-year-old virgin situation where I would start screaming and yelling. <laughs> and I didn't want to be like a baby. As it turned out, it wasn't bad at all. She said it would bite for a second, and that's all it did. The, the She did plucking at the end where she was picking out some stragglers. That was worse than the mm-hmm. waxing. Mm-hmm. I but, always think the plucking is just because it's like the slow. Yeah. And you're like, you done? No, a couple more. Are you done? No, nope, couple more. Done now? That's how I, I operate. But yeah, so if you want to see p- a picture and video, uh, it's on our 680 CJOB Instagram. Giovanna took wonderful care of me, and uh, she said you might get hooked on this, and I mm-hmm. think I might be hooked on this because I feel better. It's now. a game. I, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say it's a game changer for you, but it's a game changer, buddy. <laughs> you're like, you're looking good. I and like I'd it. like to know how the girlfriend responded. Oh, she That's was my a- best attempt at a whistle. She was happy. Yeah. Shall we say that? Shall we? Shall we? Wow. Were there any celebrations? No. No. Okay. We actually fell asleep on the couch (laughs) watching HBO's True Detective. So... (laughs) We turn our attention once again, Lauren McNabb. To our very own Richard Cloutier in Saskatchewan. Yeah, Richard's been there all a week doing an incredible job reporting on the sentencing hearing for the truck driver involved in the crash. Uh, so many powerful moments in court, so many painful moments, and it will continue today with what could be submissions from the Crown and the defense on just what they'd like to see the punishment be for that truck driver. But for more, we're joined by Richard in Melfort, Saskatchewan. Uh, Richard, what's what's on the agenda for today? Well, we're going to hear the remaining number of victim impact statements, guys. And yes, it's been very emotional. Um, Last night, you know, it's a small town. So uh, we're all pretty well at the same hotel. Interestingly enough, a lot of our global colleagues had to stay last night in uh, neighboring Tisdale because there's a hockey team here in the hotel. And that brought some emotions up with some of the the parents here. We all had dinner at Boston Pizza right next door. And last night, I got to know some of these parents. We had um, 
talked about uh, how it's been the last 10 months and about the range of emotions in that courtroom. And interestingly enough, yesterday we saw a real contrast with some families offering forgiveness to seduce the truck driver. Others are just not there. They're, they're wanting to see the book thrown at him. And a real contrast between um, you know the families and, and I guess the most poignant moment of the last few days for, for me was uh, Chris Joseph. He's a former NHLer. And he had, he pulled out of his pockets the socks that he had to pull off the lifeless body of his son, Jackson. And his wife, Andrea, looking at Sidhu, the truck driver, and saying, you're arrogant and uh, there's no forgiveness in our hearts that you should go to jail for uh, 14 years for every life that you took. Contrast that to earlier in the day, uh, Darcy Hogan's wife, Christina Hogan, she brought her two sons into the courtroom to listen to her victim impact statement. And afterwards, she spoke exclusively with Global News to explain why there's forgiveness in her heart. We're never going to ever get over Darcy, and we are never going to stop missing him, but he would expect us to go on and move on with our lives the best that we can. And I think the first step in that process is seeing Mr. Sidhu as human and seeing that he made a mistake and he will, obviously he's owned up to it and he's willing to pay the consequences for what he's, he's done. So that's not our job. Our job isn't to say what the sentence is or say our job is to forgive him. Richard, the forensics and report was, was shared yesterday, and I'm interested to know how people are responding to the reaction that Sidhu had 70 regulation violations. Does that change the tone at all, the idea that there could be any forgiveness here? Has that shifted? Well, it, it, it stiffened those that believe that they can't in their hearts forgive him, Um not a surprise here. Even the Joseph spoke of the fact that maybe uh, Sidhu wasn't trained properly, that out of this tragedy, there's going to be some good. Transport Canada regulations are changing, that the provinces need to go away from the paper logs that rely on the honesty of truck drivers to electronic logs that can be checked um, remotely. Uh, and again, the, the, the sobering news that out of these violations, and again, most of them for faulty or, or lack of record keeping, had he been pulled over, he could have been suspended for 72 hours. So um, it, it stiffened the resolve here of people, but there's no surprises here. And next week, the, the company that Sidhu worked for in a Calgary courtroom to, to answer charges there. Um, I'll be fascinated to see, though, whether or not and what the recommendations are from the Crown and from the defence on this and whether we're going to hear from Sidhu himself. Um, there's a lot of speculation that he may say something. I'll be surprised if he does and whether or not we're going to get a decision this week or not, whether the judge will reserve because there's very little to no precedence in how do you, how do you assess a sentence for something that has taken 16 lives and altered 13 others. I don't know where you begin to uh, to assess a penalty on that. 680 CJOB's Richard Cloutier joining us live once again from Melfort, Saskatchewan. Richard, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Right now, Greg, we want to start with what happened at the skills competition in the NHL. Yeah, last Friday night as part of the NHL All-Star Weekend, the skills competition highlighted the speed, finesse, and creativity of the NHL's best players. But there was a bonus. Canadian players Rebecca Johnson and Renetta Fast, along with Americans Kendall Coyne-Schofield and Brianna Decker, were all included in the event as demonstrators of the various events and competitions. Now... It got even more interesting when Colorado Avalanche star forward Nathan McKinnon had to withdraw from the fastest skater competition. Schofield was invited to participate. She beat her time yesterday. 
yesterday she was here practicing, talked to her before uh, the events got started. She was a little nervous about it, and who wouldn't be? But an outstanding job by Kendall Coyne. Watch the feet move there. The angles are terrific. The edge work is outstanding, and the stride is just amazing. You can watch the miles per hour up top there at 22 miles. Was, an hour was the peak. Some great stuff there and having some fun with the guys. Now, uh, her speed and crossover skills, unreal. When she was taking the corners, really caught the attention of everybody watching. She finished seventh of eight competitors and just over one second behind the eventual champion, three-time now champion, Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers. So later, Brianna Deckert took to the ice to demonstrate the passing competition gauntlet, the top stopwatch. It wasn't officially running, but we know that in this day and age, nothing occurs in a vacuum. And it was determined that Decker actually completed the course less time than the player from the Edmonton Oilers. Winners of each competition received $25,000 for the efforts. CCM then stepped up and made sure Decker got her coin. NHL later donated $25,000 to charity on behalf of each of the four women. Now, the love affair between Manitoba and Finnish hockey players extends beyond the NHL. And WHA. Venla Hovi is a two time Olympic bronze medalist with Team Finland. But perhaps more importantly for Manitobans, she was a member of last year's U of M Bison National Championship team and is now a forward with CWHL's Calgary Inferno. Inferno. And she joins us on the phone now. Good morning, Venla. Good morning. When you watched this on TV or perhaps later saw it in the highlights, what did this mean for you personally? Uh, to be honest, personally, I wasn't very surprised because I play with two of those girls here in Calgary and, and been playing against them with the national teams uh, many years. But uh, obviously, it's huge for women's hockey, for them to be out there, uh, represent us, all the female players in the world, uh, being able to, you know, show their skill level compared to the NHL players. I mean, it's it's incredible, but at the same time... Uh, not a surprise for myself knowing how good those girls are. Is this overdue, Venla? Uh, kind of. <laughs> kind yeah. of, yes. But, that, uh, yeah, I kind I of wonder know, if like, there's some frustration there because if you're watching and you know how good these women are, you're thinking, yeah, so what? Like, we've been skating this fast for some time now, but perhaps at least the rest of the world is seeing and recognizing it. Well, I think it's just like year by year, it's all about female proving that they can do it right and then now it's they were at the biggest stage when the most people were watching in in that regards and uh i think it just has to come to the point where we have to or we don't have to continue proving constantly that we deserve the support and and females are great hockey players, just like men are. That's that's kind of my opinion. Venla, how about the conversation surrounding maybe participation of women at a different level in this All-Star Weekend, right? They have the three-on-three mini-tournament discussion. Some people suggesting maybe next year they have one woman on each of the divisional teams. So that would be four competitors in the actual All-Star Game tournament. Yeah, I mean, anything that combines the best players in the world, whether they're females or, or uh, men, I think it's great that they start doing more things together. Uh, but at the same time, they could also host the same type of event for females all at the same time where both get equal support and uh, visibility on TV. So I don't know what the best best solution would be, but I think anything that they do together is is obviously great and it's going to help us in so many ways well with the cwhl receiving coverage on television is women's hockey particularly in light of this event is women's hockey about to take another step in its popularity i really 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 hope so and and huge thank you to all the four four female players that were at this event and obviously it's a lot of pressure to go out there and a lot is depending on that very moment when you have to perform and and skate and and do the other skills so um i'm really hoping this will continue being something bigger later on cassie campbell pascal and jennifer botterill have both done tremendous work in television and covering the national hockey league games uh, our own friend leah hextall and jennifer botterill doing the coverage of the the cwhl games tonight 
Kendall Coin Showfield going to take advantage of the of the notoriety she gained last weekend and is actually going to be an analyst on NBC Sports coverage of the NHL tonight. That's that's uh, pretty uh, pretty incredible stuff. Yes, that's amazing, and yeah, it's it's great that these players get invited to so many places right now, and and everyone is acknowledging what they can do on the ice. All right, Ven Lahovi joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much for weighing in on this. Much appreciated. Thank you. And Ven Lahovi, once again, two-time Olympic bronze medalist with Team Finland and a member of last year's University of Manitoba Bison's national championship team. She is now a forward with the CWHL's Calgary Inferno. Probably glad she's in Calgary, not in Winnipeg mm. today, I would say. Didn't want to speak for Venla, but I'm I'm guessing that might be her sentiment. Yeah. Isn't and wait a minute though, Forks is the hot spot in Manitoba. It was a few hours ago. Yeah, I'm gonna I have an update on that. A place called Deerwood. My nope. Manitoba geography is pretty good. Never heard of it. That's the hot spot? In Manitoba, it's minus 34.4. And Wasagaming has been unseated by Lynn Lake as the provincial cold spot. It's minus 46.3 up in the hometown sense. of Tom Cochran. And the wind chill uh, there is minus 50. So That's all? Yeah. But the temperature is what again in Lynn Lake right now? Minus 46, did you say? Minus yeah. four, 46. Point three. The cold spot in Canada is Collins Bay, Saskatchewan, minus 46.4. <laughs> so there you <laughs> so go. Or the second coldest uh, yeah. spot or something. Okay, well, yes, she's obviously warmer in Calgary. If you're in Manitoba, you're the Forks is the envy. <laughs> yeah, and then we, as we heard in Global News, in case you're just tuning in, so cold in Manitoba that CAA Manitoba has broken a record yesterday. More than 2,300 calls. My word. Regular winter day would see between 300 and 600 calls. And they have to prioritize those who are stranded on the side of the road versus, like, say, your car's at home and it won't start. Then you might be... SOL, so to speak. Yeah, there's like two colleagues now this morning saying that they couldn't get to work because of their car was plugged in, but CAA is not coming because you're at home and you're in a warm, safe spot already. I'm assuming that's the rationale behind there. I just went out and started my car for the second time this morning and it was zero problem and it's not plugged in, but I am not recommending that to anyone. I just found out, I didn't know this, but if you are able to find an alternate company to come and boost your car... CAA will, in fact, reimburse oh, you for that boost. Because oh. they can't get the people to you, but they're saying you pay for the membership. Yeah. So therefore, And in case anyone was wondering, uh, Greg, you did mention Deerwood as the technical hotspot over Forks. That's that's by Miami. So that makes well, sense. Well, that makes sense. It's in the Florida <laughs> belt of Manitoba. <laughs> you often hear people talking about Mayor Brian Bowman and his presence on social media. Well... There's another civic politician who's quite active on social media, Transcona Councillor Sean Nason. I saw uh, something on his Twitter yesterday that was actually a link to his Instagram, and I thought, this is interesting. Let's ask him about it. He joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Councillor Nason, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. So what happened? You posted on Instagram. You are at McDonald's, Portage and Sherbrooke. You saw something you didn't like. What was it? Oh, well, basically, I guess there's a lot of individuals that, that hang out get, to get warm at the McDonald's at the corner of Sherbrooke and Portage. Um, I don't know how long they were there, but uh, they were asked to leave the, the facility. And it, it kind of struck me with it being so cold. Um, putting people out on the streets, not a good thing. You know, they, they need to be connected with services. So what, I, what I've learned since then is that there is, there are lots of uh, numbers to call people to, to connect to, and we just need to get that word out there of how to connect people throughout our city to get out of the cold and where they can go. Sean, I, it, it's easy for you and I to pick up a phone and get connected to those services because everybody's got one in their pocket. Yeah. Uh, the vulnerable yeah. communities, maybe people in those communities don't necessarily have that. Do, do we have a have a plan maybe to uh, make sure resources are available for these uh, outstanding services to, to be able to come into the community and, and reach out maybe face-to-face to these vulnerable folks? Well, and that's, and that's part of what End Homelessness Winnipeg you know, they have to reevaluate just to see if there's outliers where where we don't have um, the word getting to the individuals most at need. 
We need to make sure that our uh, our public service officials are, you know, like the police, the fire agencies. Uh, I'm sure they're aware of it, but just reinforce how to connect those at most at risk to the services that they need. Now, Sean, is in terms of McDonald's, they're a business, and if they have yep. people who are hanging out in their restaurant, I get it, it's yep. cold outside and it sucks yep. that people have to be thrown out of there, but they're still running a business, and if their customers are uncomfortable or what have you, like, how can they be expected to just allow people to stay inside, as heartless as that sounds? Yeah, fully understand. That's, And I think that's part of what we need to do as a community is how, how do we address this to make sure that the vulnerable have a place to go that they're, you know, that they're, they feel safe at. And I, and I think that there's still, a, still gaps of, in our community where the vulnerable are, are, you know, being left to fend for themselves. And perhaps that's why, you know, the McDonald's is being seen as an area shelter for them. How much did this weigh on you when you went to bed last night, Sean? Because we've all <laughs> thought, thought a lot about, you know, I've been, I've been texting back and forth with you, I think, since about 5 a.m. this morning. So obviously, you know, we're all aware that there's a vulnerable population out there. I'm not sure how often we stop and think about it, but clearly this struck a chord with you. Yeah, I woke up at about uh, 3 o'clock this morning. And, uh, sorry, looked at the temperature and it's like, holy crap. Like, I couldn't imagine being outside for five minutes, let alone for the night in that, in that cold. We just, we got to do better. So we know there's a service out there, uh, Main Street Project Salvation. It's, Main Street Project takes yeah. people in all night. We know the Salvation Army has a bus. It'll go yeah. around trying to find those Until people. 4 a.m. Yeah. Is there so? Is there a gap there still? Like one specific you thing you think you could help do as a city councilor to make sure at three a.m., four a.m. there aren't people trying to stay yeah, well, warm. Again, uh, you know, and homelessness, Winnipeg needs to look at you know if there's if there's service gaps as to where people can be taken to at those hours, even just to get a reprieve from the cold. Uh, if we have those gaps, that that fill those gaps. You know, I heard earlier that it sounds like Main Street Project's getting closer to their 24-hour warming center. That would be wonderful. That that may help address some of the challenges. But, you know, these, these agencies are, are stretched. It's been an extended cold period. We need to make sure that they have, you know, have toques, have mitts, have socks, have clean underwear. Like, that's, that's you know, some, some basic needs um, that still need to be filled regularly. Sean Nason, Councillor for Transcona, my homeland. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank and a you. big thank you for the emotion he showed there. I mean, I think we can all relate to that feeling. You know, we come into work at that hour and are freezing. And then are we stopping to think about the folks that might need that help most? We have in studio with us someone that we met a few months back. She's a character and she's brought one of her... A member of her posse. Is that the correct terminology on the website? The posse. Absolutely, it's the posse. It's just a group of people having fun, living life, and supporting other people. Oh, and we just have a note here as well, uh, some news, breaking news on the cold. Uh, Winnipeg School Division buses are delayed up to an hour because of this cold. The following bus routes affected by weather conditions and may be up to an hour late while replacements are brought in. Just going to natter off the list here. 41, 28, 102. 35, 112, 57, 115, 111, and 39. I don't expect you to remember these. We'll have these at cjob.com, I'm sure. Uh, and late due to traffic and road conditions, another variety of buses delays 15 to 45 minutes. That's a long list. Yeah. And I think it just highlights some of the concerns that we've been hearing from listeners, from parents about the policy as to whether or not there should have been school buses running today. The uh, policy is minus 45 wind chill, and they were not quite there and so they didn't cancel the buses and the question of the day actually brought to you by mr furnace don't call them first you'll see why call mr furnace 204-832-6243 in winnipeg the wind chill at the forks has to be minus 45 or worse for school buses to stop running is that too harsh yes or no and the list again of the second list late due to traffic and road conditions routes 109 21 22 18 31 108 33 35 102 and 48 now Robin Priest Live Your Truth is a mental health and peer support education and strategy firm. All programs designed and delivered by people with their own experience of living with a mental health issue or a family member of someone living with a mental health issue. RobinPriest.com is the website. Robin is the co-creator and chief nonconformist. <laughs> and Kirsten Drybrow is the family funding ninja. <laughs> 
We were wondering earlier if your business cards are like throwing stars. No, but that's a great idea. Yeah. I like that. Did you give it to you? Like, did you give pick your own title, or did somebody else come up with it? You're like, this is what I want, want on my business card. Um, we kind of had a group <laughs> of people were hanging out, and people were throwing names around, and and what people went, oh, that fits. That feels good. We were like, yeah, let's go for that. <laughs> so you wanted to come in today to talk about uh, people who are family members in particular who are dealing with mental wellness issues, trying to support loved ones with mental wellness issues, Robin. So I guess why don't we start there? If you have a loved one if you in your family who's dealing with something, what where should you start? Well, I think the point, I, I think Kirsten and I will jump in and out with each other, but I think the point is it's really important for people to look after themselves. And I think one of the things for me, I never talk about symptoms I talk about the things that make us tired, either ourselves or our family members, um, because it's not always the symptom things that are necessarily a bad thing, but it's the impact on what's happening for people. So I think one of the things is to think about the things that make us tired to start to also celebrate the, I call it the craziness sometimes, right? But the fun pieces of that, like I've seen my dad do some incredibly stupid, funny things and you have to be able to have a laugh at them and sometimes we get stuck in the seriousness. We're so tired and we forget to take a look up. So from my experience, I think um, it's starting to, like how do we look at some of those things and get a bit lighter when we're kind of stuck in it but also to kind of start to think about how do we actually take a moment for ourselves? Because I think families, and I'm looking at Kirsten right now, often get caught in it and don't take that minute for themselves and that minute can make a big difference in their capacity to kind of get through it. Carry on with that if you wouldn't mind, Kirsten. Yeah, I. that's very well said, Robin. Um, you know, as a, as a uh, parent of somebody who struggles with uh, mental health issues, you know, you're when you're first trying to figure it out, you feel very, very alone. Um, you're trying to understand behaviors and situations that aren't making any sense to you. And it takes its toll on a, on a, on a parent, on a loved one, because um, you're working so hard at trying to understand it. And then we kind of slip into this role of fixing it. We need to fix mm-hmm. it. Um, and we, we do. We get exhausted. And if we don't take a moment and realize we're kind of going down with the ship and we need to take care of ourselves. Um, you know, the, the whole family unit suffers. And mm-hmm. Go ahead. I just wanted to add to that, the, the, the flip side of that also, never mind the fixing it, depending on how close the person is to you, you may be thinking that you're to blame partially or to some extent the unhappiness of this person if you don't necessarily understand what they're going through. You know, very well said, absolutely. Um, and and a lot of us, especially with adolescents, and, and uh, we spend the first, or I spent the first couple of years trying to figure out how I screwed up so bad. And, and What did was, you do? This was a parenting issue. Mm-hmm. And and then as you move through your journey, you you realize it, it certainly is more to, to it than that, and it's not a parenting issue. And uh, in my role uh, with Robin's firm, I speak to a lot of parents and I have that lived experience where I can sit across a table and I've walked in those shoes and and we have this shame. We have this vulnerability of opening up and telling this this story of what's happening within our family and it's, it's, it's really vulnerable. And I like how Robin said you can make light of a, cert, a, a few things. You know, we it's very heavy and, and we carry a lot on our shoulders. And I, I like to, to kind of get um, a mum to chuckle a little bit because sometimes things are so, um, you just have to laugh a little bit mm-hmm. about what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And and then when you get, ha- like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a way because even in just the very small things in life, laughing at yourself is hard. Yeah. Laughing at others is hard because you think, oh boy, I'm, I'm not judging you here, but boy, that was funny. Uh, and how how do you get that convince that mom or that sibling or whatever to say it's okay like yeah. it's still a funny story you don't have to feel bad about laughing at yourself or laughing at someone it could be together yeah absolutely and it, it usually starts with um, you know a, a parent saying well you, well you won't believe this I'm going to tell you something and 
And I'll I'll respond with, well, of course that happened. That would make complete sense. And and that happened in in my world. And and here's how we dealt with it. And and um, it's it's also that piece of that normalcy, sitting at a table and being normal. Wouldn't you say, Robin? I think that's one of the things, right? Like we forget that we get into this place about we should, we should, we should. And we've actually just been having this really cool uh, group of people we've been talking about getting rid of the shoulds and uh, watching people kind of change the way they deal with stuff when we get out of the it should be like this or my expectation is this and starting to talk about what are the things we want, why do we want them, how do we lose some of those expectations and just come from a place of this is where it is right now and it doesn't have to be any other particular way. And and in those conversations I've seen families start to kind of have a laugh about stuff mm-hmm. and kind of lose some of that, not the, the seriousness because it's a serious business, right, but be able to get out of their own heads for a few minutes. Um, so I think, I think the place is when I look at myself, I've done things like kind of woken up and gone, well, this afternoon I'm going to India and Nepal. I was a little bit manic, right? What, mm-hmm. I call it excitable. Other people call it manic. <laughs> but uh, And then I got on a plane. I ran away for five weeks. I had this horrendous credit card bill when I came back and I was really serious about it. And I look back now and I go, well, that was stupid but fun. Like think about those experiences I wouldn't have had and sometimes we forget to look at the experiences we wouldn't have had. That's a great way to put it, Robin Priest, and we want to continue the conversation in a moment with Robin Priest, the co-creator and chief nonconformist of Robin Priest, Live Your Truth, and Kirsten Drybrow, family funding ninja with Robin Priest. I need a new title. (laughs) This is my takeaway so far is that I need a new title and I need to let some stuff go, laugh a little more. Talking mental wellness for families with Robin Priest, co-creator and chief nonconformist of RobinPriest.com, and Kirsten Drybrow, family funding ninja. Robin, you were saying you have a funny story you wanted to share. Well, I was I was talking before the break about sometimes we have to laugh at the seriousness of stuff, right? And uh, when I was 15, like my dad got diagnosed very late in life when I was probably 35 or something. But when I was a young kid, we moved a lot. And I just thought we were having all these great adventures, moving houses. And one day he came home, we were all living in Adelaide. He came home and he said, we have to move. The government's out to persecute me and they're going to make it like completely compulsory to be homosexual. And so a couple of weeks later we moved, right? And as I got older and came out as like lesbian, I went, dad, it's your fault. You didn't move me quick enough. <laughs> oh, he missed the window, yeah. He had this short window. He didn't move me quick enough, so it's all his fault. But but those kind of things, right? And I look back now and I think this is the fourth country I've lived in. Today I've got to say why. It's a little chillier than Australia, um, but I like it. But I, I got this resilience from moving and getting new friends and and now people are like, you're so cool with people. Well, I got that from living and dealing with stuff with my dad. So, so. that's the gift. That's the flip Absolutely. side of, of illness, whether it's your own or somebody else's. You're used to 38 degrees, just not with that negative in front of it. That's right. So extreme is extreme, <laughs> right? That's that, that's what my stepdad always tells me from the Caribbean. But that's that's the thing you have to look for, right? Is Is the gift from the worst possible thing in your life? You know, I'd love to speak on that because um, from a, a, a family's uh, from a family's and a mother's standpoint, you know, y- you go through these hard things um, with your family. There's challenges. It's a journey. But then when you get to a certain part where you realize it's going to be okay and what's happening uh, is just your new reality, it has all these gifts and you realize that you look at the world completely differently. You look at somebody you know, homeless on the street, you look at, uh, you know, situations, uh, just, you know, you, you, you um, grow as a person and the compassion that, um, you know, is, is nurtured, you know, you have these gifts, life changes forever. And, you know, for myself, I know 
um, I'm really grateful for that. And, and you live better and you live deeper and you, it's, there's a lot of good stuff that comes with it. Kirsten Drybrow is the family funding ninja at Robin Priest Live Your Truth, a mental health and peer support education and strategy firm. And Robin Priest is the co-creator and chief nonconformist. Robinpriest.com is the website. Thank you so much for visiting us today. Much appreciated. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.